of four different colors. And uh, most of you have either seen or experienced this game. It's called Sorry. It's been around for almost a hundred years. And you play it by trying to get your pawns from your start to your home base. And you flip cards and try to get moving as many spaces as you possibly can before your opponents slide down one of the little slides and knock you back to your start or get to exchange places with you on the board, putting you way, way back, like 30 spaces back from where you were, thwarting your effort to win the game. And when they do this, when they do this, because it's the name of the game, we'll say, sorry, right? Because we're sorry, sort of, that we're bumping you back home. And that apology isn't necessarily as heartfelt as some of us would like when we're playing the game. And it can lead to a little bit of consternation in the family. But this Sunday, Zacchaeus Sunday, is the proverbial shot over the bow, if you will, about the beginning of Great Lent. Because next week we start the Lenten Triodian, where we have three preparatory Sundays leading us to Forgiveness Vespers. And this is an absolutely beautiful service where each of us gets to repent to each member of the community one at a time and hopefully in a little more sincere of a way than just saying sorry like in the board game. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. We get to, to cast away the weight of offenses that have been holding us back, uh, actually clear the air and forgive each other of those things that we've done, those sins we've committed against each other, maybe those known or unknown. Sometimes our sins are purposeful, sometimes unintentional, but either way, it's a great reset as we move into great and holy Lent. And so this morning, our gospel is a refresher in what apologizing actually looks like. What does it look like to seek repentant, to repent and to seek forgiveness from another. Now, sometimes we get apologies wrong. From time to time, we make a mistake or two, or, or maybe uh, we get a bad reply back when we are truly apologetic. Sometimes people will flippantly apologize, much like we do uh, in a board game where we're not really sorry, we're just trying to win. Sometimes people will apologize and they do so and demand forgiveness. Demand that I get restored back to the relationship that we had before you did whatever it was wrong. But I, I want that right here, right now, an instant reset. And that doesn't always work. Sometimes our actions, sometimes our sins uh, cause a great separation that takes a little bit of time to heal and to fully get to that place of forgiveness uh, with each other. I think of that great movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, uh, where they come out of the river. Pete and Delmar, they go and they get baptized in the river. And Pete comes out and he says, the preacher said it absolved us. And Ulysses says, for him, but not for the law. I'm surprised at you, Pete. I gave you credit for more brains than Delmar. And Delmar says, but they was witnesses that seen us redeemed. And Ulysses counters, that's not the issue, Delmar. Even if you did put it square with the Lord, the state of Mississippi is a little more hard-nosed. And so we know that there are cases and instances that it, it takes some time. 
Sometimes when we ask for forgiveness, maybe very sincerely, the reply comes back from the person we've offended, I'll forgive you, but I'm never going to forget. And it kind of has that air hanging over it of judgment. Uh, and you know you're like, I'm in trouble for so long, it's not even funny, right? Um, and again, this doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to be abused by somebody, but these forgiveness issues occur in, in normally healthy relationships. But forgiveness is critical for a Christian. Forgiveness is absolutely critical. In the Gospel according to St. Mark, the 11th chapter, Christ says that if you're holding a grudge, you need to forgive your brother. And he goes on in the next verse to say, if you don't forgive your brother, God will not forgive you. And there are plenty of stories in the Gospels of people who have been unwilling to forgive their brother, their fellow human, their fellow citizen, uh, and then they go and they expect forgiveness from God, and it doesn't happen. So Zacchaeus today, Zacchaeus shows us what repentance actually looks like, what it looks like to say you're sorry, to be sorry, to actually thoroughly apologize. And we see that in his humility. Uh, Zacchaeus uh, is actually the same name as innocent. It means pure one, believe it or not. And Zacchaeus ended up being a truly humble person. You see, he, he was the chief tax collector in Jericho, which means he was very hated. He was working for the occupying government, and at the same time, he was defrauding people of their money because he could charge whatever he wanted for taxes, demand you give it to him, and then he just had to give the Roman government a certain amount back. And everything else he kept for himself or for his buddies, his rich buddies who might have bribed him, gave him half the taxes, so he'd go beat it out of somebody else, literally. Uh, and so he, here's Jesus is coming to Jericho, and we know this because last Sunday Jesus healed a blind man on the way to Jericho. He sees that this man has power, and he wants to actually physically see him. And so he climbs a tree. He, he's almost acting like the ultimate fan trying to get into a concert, not a hardened thug who would beat people up and steal money from him. And he's so excited to see Jesus, he gets in this sycamore tree, and Jesus stops and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus gets down and goes to the house. And so we see humility in the way he tried to even see Christ and encounter him. And then he welcomes Christ into his home. And it's, it's curious, Christ walks into the house and people are commenting on why Jesus is there with this sinner. Why would he even be there? And that's when Zacchaeus makes this statement of repentance and says, I will give half of what I own to the poor and if I've defrauded anybody, I'll pay them back four times. And Jesus, of course, talks about then the son of Abraham. And Zacchaeus truly becomes the son of Abraham because he obeys the law. If you read the book of Exodus in chapters 21 and 22, there are explicit instructions of what you have to do if you steal a sheep from somebody, if you steal a goat, if your bull kills somebody else, if it kills somebody else's bull, there's a whole list of rules of how you show your repentance to your neighbor, how you make restitution. And Zacchaeus goes above and beyond in making restitution this morning. He only had to pay back four times, but on top of that, he gives half of what he owns to the poor. And so what we see in Zacchaeus's apology what we see in him asking for forgiveness is continuity between his mind, his heart, and his action. And of course, if we're truly sorry, if we're truly repentant, 
we do the same. We work to align our lives and live that life of repentance, that life of love, of kindness to our neighbors, to our brothers and sisters, to our family members, sometimes the hardest people to love, as we seek that forgiveness and to live in a healthy relationship. Now sometimes when you say things like this, people say, well, what about the thief on the cross? He was forgiven and he didn't do anything. Well, our arms aren't nailed to a cross right now about to die which means we have a lot of time, or some time, hopefully a lot of time, we pray, time to begin that repentance process. Time to begin thinking about maybe those offenses that we've caused somebody, beginning to make those apologies, beginning to make those connections, beginning to make things right as we begin to move into great and holy Lent. And of course, prepare ourselves uh, for the death and resurrection of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ.